Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a super packed show for you today. We've got our review of Frozen 2. We've got a new game called Into the Unknown. Of course, we'll get you caught up in what's popping. And we are going to close things out with our top five Disney musical numbers. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host, Cam, and we have an excellent post-Thanksgiving special for you today. We do. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Hope you had a wonderful holiday. I'm just going to call every episode a special from here on out because <laughs> last time was so fun because we had a Thanksgiving special. And really, that just meant that we played, that we did Thanksgiving Hype Train. Was that the only Thanksgiving thing we did? That's it. That's it. But that that counts. That means that we went we went out of our way to do something that was holiday specific. Yeah, I guess the movie had family in it. Yeah, I still stand by that movie. If any movie is a Thanksgiving movie, other than like Charlie Brown Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. Knives Out's a Thanksgiving movie. Stand by that. Um, but this week, I'm very excited because this week we have Frozen Two, which you are now what two weeks removed from seeing this movie. I am. Yeah. And I, I just saw it on Thanksgiving Day, actually. Had a little, I posted on Facebook, popcorn for Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> so cute. So so uh, creative there, not to toot my own horn. But we didn't actually have popcorn for Thanksgiving dinner. Thanksgiving dinner was at like 4 or something like that. Yeah, 4.35. Yeah. So we were just, we were left with most of the day like, hmm, what are we going to do? And so we went to go see Frozen 2. Um, and you'll find out how we feel about it, mm-hmm. how I felt about it at least, and how you felt about it. What if we didn't tell them? What if we started a review and then and we, we just said, never finished "All right, let's get to the review." Never mind, you'll never know. Yeah, outro music. Just let, just leave people with the the mystery. Savage. Did they like it or not? Well, I don't think we should do that. One day. One day we'll do it. <laughs> we'll do it when they when they least expect That's it. That's right. That'll be good, um, or it'll be terrible. So. Um, Another big thing that came out. So Thanksgiving, obviously, we've we've got like a little mini. I call it like a mini summer, because in terms of movie watching, because you know the summer, you've got what seems like every week, you're getting blockbuster movies. They're not necessarily like these award quality movies or like really highbrow, like high quality films, but you get those big like marquee blockbuster movies you know like avengers endgame and like spider-man and terminator i don't know terminator just came out so that's probably it's it's off the marquee now but you know what yep. I, you know what i mean like those big blockbusters mm-hmm. and around thanksgiving it's sort of the same thing just in one week so everybody's like oh man we want to hit that thanksgiving release window and so knives out obviously came out this week um frozen 2 there were there's a beautiful day in the neighborhood which is the uh Mr. Rogers film, which I'm still dying to see. Same. And so this was kind of like a, this was kind of a big week, big weekend for movies. And I'm sure that many of you who are listening went to the movies this weekend. I know we asked on social earlier this week and people were saying, I'm going to see Knives Out. I'm going to see Frozen 2. So we hope you got a chance to get out to the movies. But there's like, like I said, this is like mini summer and what's coming next is just like full blown award season 
marathon. Mm-hmm. We've got, I'm, like I've said before, I'm stressed. We've got a lot of movies to see. I don't know how we're going to squeeze them all in. We're going to find a way, Kirk, because we persevere. I know you've already watched The Irishman. I have. I need to watch it. Was it amazing? It was, it was, re- well. Oh, oh, oh. I almost baited you there. You're going to have to wait. Yeah, we're, we'll review that one. Probably <laughs> next week. Probably. I would love to. Yeah, we should do that. So, I've been waiting for so long. Um, I saw that there was, so, so here is a question I have for you about The, the Irishman. Though. Okay. <clears throat> because I saw this thing online. And it was like, basically, the premise was, the Irishman is like three hours and 30-something minutes long, right? Mm, that's right. And so people were like, my complaint, at least, has been, I don't have time for such things, even though I watch three-hour basketball games on a regular basis. So I'm like, I don't have time for three and a half hours. So I saw this article that said, here's how you would watch The Irishman in four parts. Yes. And it was like telling you where to stop. So my question to you, Kirk, is should I do that? Or should I watch it straight through? Because in my mind, and there's probably there's definitely two schools of thought here. In my mind, it's cinema. You mm-hmm. know, I say that with a little bit of an accent, cinema. Mm-hmm. And so it's meant to be watched in one viewing. But I want to get your take. I would also say that you get the most out of this movie in one sitting. Okay. However. I get the other part of it too. I would say that you could watch it. I think they split it up like a mini series or a limited series. Yeah. Yeah. Like a mini series. Yeah. Yeah. Which I did think was clever. And I thought that was uh, very thoughtful. I think that you could do that if you do it within the same day. So if you're like, man, I just need a break. I have to do some errands, you know, Christmas shopping, whatever. And then you come back to it the same day because you don't want to miss out on the story because there's so much going on. You need to watch it as close together as possible. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that was kind of where I was leaning anyway. Because mm-hmm. you know, I'm like, you know, film. It, there's a reason it's this medium, right? It may, if it's long form, it's long form for a reason. Yeah, I mean, if you need to pause and take a bathroom break, obviously, and sure. get some refill your snacks, refill your popcorn, do it. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong if it takes you five hours to watch this in, instead of three and a half. Sure, do it. Yeah, I'm I I'm gonna trust Marty. Trust Marty Scorsese. Always trust Marty, unless he's talking about the Marvel. But otherwise, and then you just you're like Marty, get out of here, Grandpa. With that. Come on, man. We all know you love it. We know he loves it. <laughs> he has every single. He probably does. He probably like wears like a fake. Well, does he already have a mustache? No, he doesn't. No, he does not. He probably wears like a mustache and like a top hat and <laughs> goes and sees Avengers Endgame. It's like this is awesome. He's like wearing a Spider-Man T-shirt. That's super discreet. The top hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think the top hat is the best for your disguises. Nobody's gonna pay attention to you if you're wearing like a Martin top Scorsese hat. wouldn't wear a top hat. Of that must not. not be him. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> Um, so you watched the Irishman. I did. What else? Did, did you watch anything else interesting this weekend? I did. I watched the Irishman one and a half times because I, uh, I want to, I want to keep going and I want to watch it several times. Um, so then I also watched this movie called earthquake bird just mm. dropped on Netflix. Eh, didn't get through all of it. Kind of lost. What's it about? It. Well, it's got, uh, Alicia, v- Alicia Vikander in it, mm-hmm. you know, Academy Award winner. Yes. Uh, very good. It's about... This girl who is a translator in Japan, she's European, okay, and she tries to live life normally, but death always follows her. It's not, a, it's not a horror movie. Sure. It's kind of a suspense, suspense thriller. thriller. Eh, you know, I, I, it, it lost my suspense. Let's just gotcha. say that. Okay. And then I have a gripe to pick with Disney+. Plus. Yeah, let's hear it. I was all set to watch my favorite episode of So Weird. Yes. I got on Twitter right after we recorded last week, uh-huh. 
and it's like the people, the so weird fans were freaking out on Twitter. They're like, oh man, so weird is down. So weird is down. It's off Disney plus. And I was like, what, what they did was season two. The episodes were out of order. So, okay. So Disney plus took down all of season two, which my favorite episode what? is in season two. That is a weird problem. Is that not bonkers? I don't think I've, I mean, I've been, how long a streaming service has been around a while. Yeah. Never encountered that problem. So they, they didn't, they take, were like, they were like, Oh, there's like 10 people who watch this show. <laughs> so let's just like real quick. Let's fix it. <laughs> That's exactly what they thought. <laughs> that was exactly. Like, this is like in the back, back, back of the software. No one really does. <laughs> So that's what's so crazy. They didn't take down the whole thing. They just tech took down one season. That is bizarre. So I'm just sitting here waiting for season two to be. Did they like tweet about it or anything that you saw? Uh, only after all the all yeah. the so weird fanatics. There was some there was some Disney Plus customer service person who <laughs> walked into work that day like do 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 what's going on and then they were like oh no <laughs> and their entire inbox was filled with so weird fan club emails. Hey uh, Frank, you remember that show you thought no one watched? <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> I'm gonna check right now. I'm gonna check right now because I just need to know if it's back up because if so, I will I will watch it. So. I'm going to stop this podcast. I'm going to go watch it if it's back up. Okay. Well, let's hope that it's not. Nope. Don't worry. It's not there. That is bizarre. Season one, season three, no season two. Well, that'll make it fun. You know, um, if you're a true So Weird fan, you would know that the preferred way of watching that show is to watch season one through, then season three, (laughs) and then back. It's like the, um, have you heard of this? There's like a Star Wars order to watch things in. It's like the machete order or something yeah, like that. I have heard of this. Dude, I, somebody brought that to my attention recently, which is weird that I didn't know about it because I know I'm, I'm a pretty big Star Wars fan. And I read that order and I was like, this is this is so wrong. I think it's a new order. It's bizarre. I, was, I totally swore it off. As soon as they were like, well, you got to watch, what was it, like four, then five, and then, or no, you watch four, then two, then three, then five. And I was like, okay. It's pure chaos. That makes no sense. You either go chronological or you go release order. But, you know, going back to the so weird thing, just, just be patient with Disney Plus, man. There, <sighs> there are babies in this world. You know, they're just learning to walk. Though I will say, right after I say that, I'm going to go back on it. <laughs> We were halfway through A Muppet's Christmas Carol. Why we were watching this on Disney Plus, I have no idea, because we own this movie. We should have just popped it in. You know. Anyway, it was a path of least resistance, I guess. So they put the continue watching feature into Disney Plus. I saw which it. Apparently, did you see that they actually had it at launch, but then they pulled it down? No. Because it was having errors? That was, that was the thing. Well, I'm just glad it's back. Yeah, so it's back. Well, first time trying to use it, I go and it says, like, you have 36 minutes left in A Muppet's Christmas Carol. I was like, great clicked on it it started over what yes it did and i was like that is a bunch of bologna and i went to empire strikes back because i was in the middle of watching that and it said like an hour left and i was like well let's just see if this feature is just totally toast clicked on it nope picked up right where it was supposed to so then i had to painstakingly fast forward through a muppet's christmas carol and then when we got to the part that i needed to be at jackie was like can we start this song over and i was like 36 minutes and so then, I had, <laughs> then i had to rewind backwards so it's like this is first world problems but listen it truly is it was it was uh not a great user experience disney plus yes they've come a long way since still we, love you though since we bashed their things that should have been ready to go um oh yeah they've been cranking it out they're just letting it fly they're like oh yeah boom boom yeah boom. I want the watch list to be part of like the main screen. Though. I agree. I don't want to have to go and find it and then click on it later. Yes. 
that's that's my next big move for them. Mm-hmm. They'll get there. But we, you know what? I was thinking about Disney Plus, and you and I were talking about it a little bit. I think the Mandalorian spoiler talk is over. It's done. I, I think we're just going to call it. We're, we can talk about the Mandalorian freely because you know what? The whole freaking free world is out there sharing Baby Yoda memes left, right, and center. And if anybody should be sharing Baby Yoda memes, Kirk, it should be us. 100%. Yeah. I mean, we. I said on this podcast that Baby Yoda was cute way before it was cool. Way before it was cool to like Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean... You know, I've got people out here. I've got ESPN in my timeline sharing Baby Yoda sipping tea memes. I'm like, you guys don't even know. You don't know what we could do with this. Yeah, I was like, I want to do, I want to do uh, 25 days of Baby Yoda memes for Christmas. <gasps> oh my gosh! Should we do I that? I mean, we're already a couple days behind, but we can catch up. What's t- what's today? December second. 23 days of Yoda, Baby yeah. Yoda. 20. <laughs> it's like the 25 days of Christmas, only it's 22 days of Baby Yoda memes starting tomorrow. Oh, yes. I'm down. Done. But we need to talk about The Mandalorian. Yes, let's and do it. And so, listen, you get, you almost certainly know that Baby Yoda is out there. Yeah. If you don't, you've not been online in the last two weeks because <laughs> it's chaos out there. It's like, this is the biggest thing ever. Um, there, There's Baby Yoda merchandise. People were like rioting in the streets because Jon Favreau was like, Hey, we we're not going to have any Baby Yoda merchandise for Christmas, and people were like, "What?" And then all of a sudden, everybody had it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk about the Mandalorian because so you're you're all caught up. You watched all the most recent up. episode. Mm-hmm. So my thought was, first two episodes is kind of like, okay, this is really simple. You know, he's got a job. He's probably going to go do it. He's going to have some weird mishaps along the way. Very straight line. But then episode three, you get to learn a little bit more about the Mandalorian culture. You get to learn a little bit more about our hero in the story. And it really like hits a turning point where it's like, oh, so this is what the show is going to be about. Okay, awesome. But then episode four was like a little bit different. But I think it was still important because when at the end of episode three, you're left with like, what is his end game? Mm-hmm. It's like him and the child, since it's not it's not actually a baby Yoda. It's just a baby of the same species as Yoda. Right. It's him and the child, and they're just like setting setting off. And so you're like, what is going to happen? Well, baby or baby Yoda in episode four it turns out that he was trying to like ditch him. Right. I mean, he was trying to find him a home. Like here, you can live here. But now it seems like that's not ever going to be possible, does it, Kirk? No, it seems like they are linked together for life because the moment that he lets him out of his watch. No one can protect him like he can. That's right. And there, you know, there are probably, presumably, hundreds of others with these fobs out there that are trying to hunt this guy down. Yeah, I got a question about these fobs. How do they track people? I don't know. I don't know, Kirk. What is it inside of people that they're like, well, I'm just going to track Baby Yoda. Go. Here, go find him. they can just take you right to him. That, that kind of technology is like freaky. Is, has ever been has ever? And here's been my question. Here's my question. Yeah. The person... So maybe there, there's probably some Star Wars lore out there that explains all of this. I haven't read like all the bounty hunter stuff yeah. that's out there because I don't. I frankly don't know what's canon and what's not, and it's all very confusing. But here's my question for you. This is a really simplistic question. Why doesn't the person who makes the fob just grab him? <laughs> True. <laughs> don't they have to have some sort of biological something from it? Yes. Or is it like, so like you said, is it like microchips or what if... What if uh, the Mandalorian goes, maybe that's his next mission. Like, well, I got to stop this. Yeah. So he goes and finds the guy sitting in this giant lair that's 
tracking everyone in the right. world. It's Elon Musk. <laughs> That's the plot twist. He just, he just turns around with the. He's just sitting in his Tesla Cybertruck. Yes, you know, somewhere oh. on Tatooine. <laughs> the Cybertruck. <laughs> it's been a weird month, man. Yes, things are getting weird out there. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know where this is heading, but I here is what I'm excited about is that the fact that he and the child are, you know, basically joined together for eternity puts us one step closer to having a grown up Yoda with Mandalorian armor, which would be sick because he's like two feet tall. And just imagining that thing like floating around with the jetpack using the force. Oh man. Do you think he has the helmet and his ears come out of the oh, helmet? Oh <laughs> dude. Can you imagine the Funko pop and the Halloween costumes? And- or is there some sort of like, Baskar steel covering for his ears. Oh, so the also ears, amazing. Ears stick up, but they're like covered in metal. Yes. Oh man, the possibilities are endless. They really are. Sort of like the Baby Yoda memes. It's it's pretty great. So yeah, I like the progression that it's had. I wasn't. I think. I think episode four may have been its weakest episode. I know. I was. I was. I was uh, dozing off a little bit. I was watching it late at night, so I wondered if that was the case. But I was also like. Eh. No, I wanted it to be good. You know, Bryce Dallas Howard uh, uh, was the director of this episode. Yeah, love I love her. her. Um, there was just something, something missing, like a, like a right hook to this to this message. Although I, the progression of the story was well done and well structured. I liked our new character though. Yeah, I liked our new our our new woman friend, the who, fighter. Yeah, what, I forget her name. She had a kind of a hard name to say. I she think. did, but she was cool. She was very cool. So, I still think this show is awesome. And I want more of it immediately. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, they're giving us like all Friday releases for the rest of the season, except for one of them is like a Tuesday, mm-hmm. like right around Christmas time. Is it because it's, is it right around the rise of Skywalker drop? Dude, I didn't even think about that. And what if it ties in? I'm just, I'm Dude, just saying. If they do that, they are masterful. Mm-hmm. If they've just been playing the long game on this the whole time, and like some sort of Mandalorian something makes it into the plot of Rise of Skywalker, my head would literally explode. It might happen. And if you bought tickets to our Rise of Skywalker premiere, you'll get to see my head explode <laughs> live and in person. And then you won't have to get your tattoo for That's right. the Joker. <laughs> which, which, by the way, Kirk, which, by the way, Joaquin Phoenix on Gold Derby, it, he's way up there. He's oh, like good. smashing Adam Driver now. Okay, okay. Um, so we can only hope. We can only hope, Kirk that I don't have to get that tattoo. <laughs> but if I do, one thing is for certain. I will be very angry. And another th- another thing that's certain is that my wife will be very angry with me. We're going to live stream that stuff right sure. there. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be I mean, fantastic. If, if, otherwise, what is the point? Really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it's not, if it's not on the Instagram story, what is the point, Kirk? Did it even really happen? It didn't. It didn't at all. Um, okay. So that's Mandalorian. I'm glad we got, I feel like a weight has been lifted now that we can talk about that show openly. Because it's all I want to do is talk about that show on mm-hmm. a regular basis. And now we can. And High School Musical, the musical, the series. Maybe we'll do that next time. I'm not caught up. Careful. Okay. All right. Well, <sighs> it gets crazy. People die in the next episode. It's what? Just, kidding. just kidding. Nobody dies. <laughs> not yet. Uh, probably the season finale, though. Yeah, be look- like Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> the Red Wedding. <laughs> Ricky just gets his head chopped off by somebody. <laughs> that, would be, that would be wild times. Let's jump into uh, What's Poppin'. Yeah, you were, you were, that's, that's your worst one yet. I'm sorry, sorry Kirk. That was, uh, <laughs> it's unacceptable. So but here's what we're going to do. We're going to get a jingle for that and we're going to put your pop into the jingle. It's going to be like, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there it is. I'm just going to cut that clip and use it every time for the rest. That was the worst jingle ever. Okay. Weird week. I mean, I mean weird. I've said that before on this show, but I think this is far and away the weirdest week that we've had in movie news. I mean, what's popping? Let's hear it. Why do I still not know the name of this segment? You know, this is episode 21 and I wasn't going to judge you, but I now don't I understand. And movie news is such a lame name for a segment. <laughs> why would I keep, why would that stick in my head? What's popping is hip. I am sure that the yeah. millennials it's love us because of it. No, the Gen Z's. Uh, the Gen, Gen Z's. Z's. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We're, I know we're it. old now, Kirk. I'm, I'm, almost thir- I'm, I'm 12 days away from 30 now. The countdown Ooh. continues, guys. Oh, buddy. Oh, How's it feel? I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> you woke up and you were like, my back, my neck. <laughs> yeah. My neck and my back. Every morning, that's the voice I make. Yes. <laughs> How'd you know? Uh, I knew. I just knew it. Um, okay, so what's popping? First one, this is, we're just going to start weird and get progressively less weird. Okay. Okay. Johnny Depp is producing a Michael Jackson musical, quote, as told by his glove, unquote. Let me read that again. Johnny Depp is producing a Michael Jackson musical film from the perspective of Michael Jackson's glove. (laughs) And I can only imagine that Ryan Reynolds is doing the voice of the glove. I don't know. I mean, that's his forte. Yeah. He'd be great, I think. This movie makes... I mean, this musical makes no sense. It's going to do like the record scratch, freeze frame. I bet you're wondering how I got myself into this situation. It's going to be the glove, <laughs> you know? And then they're going to go back. It's going to be the glove whenever he gets his hair caught on fire during the Pepsi commercial. Yes. And it's going to be like record scratch, freeze frame. I bet you're wondering how I got myself into this situation. Yes. We can only hope that it's a successful musical so then it can be put on film. Yeah. That's what I really need it to, to do. Well, isn't it, isn't, is it not a movie? Well, I don't know. It was very vague. I think it's a musical movie. Okay. That's even better. I'm very confused by all of this. And I know that it won't happen because it sounds, I mean, even by today's standards, it sounds far too insane to actually happen. Yeah. Because people hate Johnny Depp, Mm -hmm. like in a major way. People also hate Michael Jackson Mm -hmm. in a pretty major way. And this is a dumb idea. (laughs) It's very dumb. It makes no sense. How would Michael Jackson's glove tell a story about Michael Jackson and that it would just be so boring? Is it an animated film? That would maybe make sense. Like the glove has a face like the um, hamburger helper guy, (laughs) you know? That's who's starring in it. Yeah, it's the hamburger helper glove. Hey, I'm I'm here for it. That'd be great. I love that guy. Um, It's so weird. I don't have the words to describe how I feel about the weirdness. I hate it. I hate everything about it. <laughs> I don't like, I don't even like a single thing that I just said. <laughs> that whole movie concept or musical or whatever it is, it should not happen. And whoever else is funding this thing other than Johnny Depp, because by the way, how is he able to produce anything? Isn't he, didn't he declare bankruptcy? <laughs> I declare bankruptcy. <laughs> he did that. He did the Michael Scott <laughs> bankruptcy. So it wasn't real. Exactly. That's where he has the rest of his money left, you know? It's if this even ever comes to light, it's going to be a long time from now. Yeah, it's just like it's Johnny Depp and Harvey Weinstein and a bunch of other. (laughs) No, I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have gone there. That was bad. But seriously, it's just like nobody likes you, Johnny Depp, at this point, really. Yeah, it's just people whose careers are over. Yeah, Yeah. doing movie about weird things that people have controversial opinions on. 
I don't like any of it. Let's get out of here. I'm done with this globe. Okay. Next weird story. Still weird. Not that weird. Nothing is that weird. Nothing. That is the weirdest thing. That we will ever talk about. That was weirder than Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. Yes. Um, but this one is also weird. So Michael B. Jordan, who you love, one I of your do. faves. I do love him. Um, he's in a new movie that's coming out soon that I saw a trailer for where it's like him and Brie Larson. What's that movie called? Just, Just Mercy. Mercy. Yes. Mm-hmm. That looks good. It does. It looks very good. Anyway, Michael B. Jordan. Wait for it. This is a big one. So I need to build the suspense. He pitched a Superman movie to Warner Brothers. And the report said the reason it's not moving forward is because of a scheduling conflict on Michael B. Jordan's end, which like, what a tease. Yes. That's a baller move to be like, oh, hey, I'm going to Warner Brothers. I'm coming in. I'm pitching him a Superman movie. Presumably he stars in it. I don't know. Absolutely. He, he would have to. He'd be a great Superman. And then he's like, oh, but by the way, if you guys want to move forward with this, you're going to have to get on my calendar. My schedule is very busy <laughs> at the moment. I'm just out there taking names and trying to win win awards and stuff like that he's got a crazy upcoming schedule okay so he's going to be in, in a tom clancy novel character called rainbow six. Oh, rainbow six yeah and, and they're making th- movies about that two apparently then there's a movie called or a movie based on a book called without remorse where he plays the same character thomas crown affair looks like they're remaking which okay that's great for him in that um we also have methuselah then wait a couple, what methuselah He's playing Methuselah? That has not been declared. But, I mean, who else would it be? He's the only announced actor for that movie. Is it actually about Methuselah? I think it is. But why? Why indeed. But if it's Michael B. Jordan, you have my money. Dude, he's got so many... He, I mean, his schedule is packed. But I need them to clear it out because I want the Superman movie before all of yes, that. Yes, yes, yes. This should happen. This needs to happen. Because it would be amazing. Why weren't they just like, hey, I don't know how much it's going to cost, but like, let's clear your schedule. Here's $300 million. Let's go. You can be in this and not in Methuselah. Right. <laughs> because nobody's going to watch that. Um, yeah, I want this to happen. I do. Because I want DC, I don't know, after Joker, I'm like, you guys, you guys, you can do it. I saw a glimpse. I mm-hmm. saw a glimpse of it. And honestly, this Matt Reeves Batman is kind of shaping up to be pretty legit, mm-hmm. which originally I was very worried about. But the the recent casting decisions plus Matt Reeves is good. Mm-hmm. Could be good. And then they were talking about, I read an article that said DC maybe has plans to take this Batman movie and use it as like a new foundation for some DCEU stuff that revolves around the villains, like getting spinoffs. I was like, that's how you build it. That's where you, that's how you do it. So yes. don't look now, but DC may be uh, slowly pulling the pieces together. What about the team up of Robert Pattinson and Michael B. Jordan as Batman and Superman. Right? Boom. Yes. Inject some youth into the DC world. And then Joaquin Phoenix as Joker. Done. It could be pretty legit. I think it's a fantastic... I mean, don't look, don't look now, but they've... Uh, signs are pointing in the right direction for them. We're, we've noted their comeback, and here it is. Yeah, and now that we've just spoken all of that into the universe, none of it will probably happen. Nope. This time, it's going to change. <laughs> it's going to change, Cam. <laughs> um, by the way, going back to Robert Pattinson... Because I, um, I watched that movie, The King. You know, I talked about it. Yes, he was not in that movie very much. Oh, isn't that weird? Yes. Because I felt like, and I don't know if I'm just remembering the trailer wrong. I should probably go back and watch it. It seemed like he was getting like top billing. It was like Timothy Chalamet, Robert Pattinson, and then I watched the movie and I was like, oh hey, there's Robert Pattinson. And I was like, oh bye bye Robert Pattinson. Hmm. Well, he's too busy with the Batman. That's right. The Batman. 
like the Ohio State University. (laughs) (laughs) Because they couldn't call it Batman because that's already a thing. That's it. And they used up all the other... They should have called it the Caped Crusader. Ooh. They should just use all of his nicknames now that the Dark Knight's been used and Batman Begins and the Dark Knight Rises. They're running out of titles for Batman movies because they've made too many of them. It's coming. That'll be the sequel. Yeah, I like it. I like it. All right. So from that into less weird news like i said we're getting less weird getting still normal. weird though because the next one is about cats and cats <laughs> just looks like the big a big weird thing and i don't even know where to start with it but this is kind of in the same vein as what happened with sonic recently tom hooper was getting interviewed tom hooper who's directing cats tom hooper who's a good director mm-hmm. which is very confusing this whole thing he they were talking about uh the catch trailer which came out earlier this year and blew up social media like it was trending everywhere and everybody was like what in the actual world is happening with cats like the one tweet i saw today was i was reading this article was like why is judy dench wearing a coat made of her own fur (laughs) and i was like that's a really good question so it was when that trailer came out you and i and everybody else out there was like this is wacky and tom hooper basically admitted he was like well, so he, he halfway admitted that that backlash to the trailer caused them to change the design of characters. Because mm. he said, he was like, well, you have to know that we wrapped production in, I think he said, we wrapped production in March. And so the, the effects were in the very early stages at that time. And then he like kind of backhandedly was like, well, it's not a, it wouldn't be crazy for you to think that the, the uh, backlash sort of helped provide clues as to where we should go with the character design later. I was like, okay, dude, come on. Like we know what you're saying. You're saying that people freaked out. And so you changed the way characters were designed. I don't think so. They look just as bad, if not worse. This they trailer. look the same to me. Yeah. Your digital fur technology is just a joke. <laughs> DFT. <laughs> <laughs> it's revolutionary, Kirk. Revolutionary to make me hate everything. That yeah. Comes so out there, of it. there was that new trailer for, well, it was it even new? I mean, I think it was, but it was like mostly the same clips that we've already seen. Yeah. And it was before Frozen 2. And yeah, I, I mean, I didn't notice any drastic difference. I still was like, this looks just weird and terrible. Because that's what it is. It's just is there, weird and terrible. Is there any chance this is good? No. You're just, you're just booking it. Zero percent rotten tomato score. Zero <laughs> percent. <laughs> that's wow. it. Gonna, you know we're going to have to see this. No, I'm not. I refuse. I do. We are. We have to see it because we're we're always on here like we love musical theater and mm. lots. Of, everybody's gonna go see it when it comes out. I bet it'll probably do well. It's gonna be as bad, if not worse, than The Kitchen. Ooh, which I regard as the worst movie I've seen ever. Ever? <laughs> ever? No way. Because there are movies that are bad, that they're funny, that they're bad, and there's just bad movies, and it is just bad. Dude, I don't know. There's some pretty just straight bad movies that All I've right. seen. All right. I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't know about this Cats movie, but I'm weirdly excited about it coming out just so I can watch it and form my opinion. And make fun of it? Probably. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm leaning that direction. The trailers are not giving me much hope. Like, why is Jason Derulo, I always want to call him Jason Derulo. Jason Derulo. (laughs) Yeah, like, why is he here? Why does James Corden not know that he's in a major motion picture? He looks like he's just doing a skit from his show. Well, he probably, they probably, like, 
told him to do that. Ugh, it it <laughs> looks so bad. They're like, hey, James Corden, we hired you because you can sing and yes. people like you. So yep. just do your thing that you do on your show and let's call it a day. He did, He is acting like a cat in the movie. Like I can't act like a cat with my five and two year old. Correct. Just put your hands up, <laughs> wrists down. Just like lowest energy cat <laughs> ever. And that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. There's a lot of red flags. And this cast, I cannot get over this cast. It is so bizarre. It's so bizarre. But anyway... Just if you hate things, just keep yelling about them because Tom Hooper hears you. And he'll pretend to fix them. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, we fixed the characters. Wink, wink. <laughs> um, okay. Last bit of news is is very current. So current, Kirk, that it's happening right now. The Gotham Awards are happening right now. Right now? Yes. As we speak, we could be live streaming it, but we're not because we're doing a podcast. Whoa. And the Gotham Awards, I just wanted to call it out because something you should know. So the Gotham Awards are for independent films. It's for outstanding achievement in independent film. And in some cases, they can give you a little bit of a taste of the Oscars. Because four of the last five years, the Gotham Awards winner for Best Picture has been nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars. And three of them actually won Best Picture at the Oscars. Birdman, Spotlight, and Moonlight. And in 2017, Call Me By Your Name won the Gotham Award for Best Picture and was nominated. So in a lot of ways, this is kind of like one of our early indicators for what indie films are going to make the jump. Ooh. So a couple of notables this year, uh, Marriage Story and Uncut Gems are both up for awards at the uh, at the Gotham Awards. So just something to keep an eye on. That's exciting. So I'll be going home after this and checking out who won because it could be a glimpse into the future of who won mm-hmm. the Oscars. I can't wait. Which the Oscars, I was, I just figured this out today. Are they earlier this year? By like a week February or February 9th. Yeah, so it's usually late February. So it's two weeks early. And now it's February 9th. Wow. Which cuts down the timeline. You know, usually you and I are like trying to jam in, trying to get all the movies possible, and now we have two or three weeks less than we usually have. But the good news is, since we started our podcast, we see all the movies. It's true. I mean, we'll see most of them, but even still, man, like... We'll be scrambling a little bit. There will be some that we will not have seen, don't you think? But Marriage Story is coming to Netflix. Oh, that's right. You know, Dude, that makes it way easier because everybody, at least everything that I've read, seems to think The Irishman is going to win Best Picture. Mm-hmm. And that's on Netflix. That's on Netflix. And then Marriage Story is right up there too. And that's on Netflix. Something's coming out on Amazon, Amazon Studios. Oh, really? They've got something. Okay. But I can't remember. Yeah, so... If they get nominated, right? So yeah, there's and, there's lots of streaming options to see these. Yeah, for sure. So I think I think we'll be all right, but I don't I don't know how I feel about them moving the date up. I kind of I don't know. But here I, I we have we have lots to talk about to get prepared for the Oscars. I don't know. We might need to we might need to take off work the day after or something like that. I'm totally fine with that. We can do an Oscars after show. I mean, I don't want to talk about these things and then not do them, but I've lots of ideas we'll get a green, cannot wait we'll get a green screen and we'll project ourselves like <laughs> on the after show like we're having yeah. our own <laughs> <laughs> we'll wear tuxedos probably That'd yes. be good. um so yeah lots to look forward there but keep an eye if you're someone who loves award season like kirk and i do mm-hmm. uh just google gotham awards winners at the end of the night and then take a look at uh who did well all right and now kirk you have a game for us i do lay it on me Lay it on you. It This is based off of Frozen 2. 
Oh. Really, it's just I stole a title from one of the songs. Sure, That's yeah. It. No, that makes sense. In Frozen 2, one of the big songs is called Into the Unknown. Yes. So we are going to be playing Into the Unknown. Into the Unknown. That's beautiful. It. Thank you. So one of the trickiest parts about um, animated movies is who is the who is the person speaking behind it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play a little bit on that, except I'm not going to do actors. I'm going to do the characters, Cameron. Oh. I'm going to be speaking in some famous Disney character voices, but saying lines from Frozen 2. Uh-huh. So it's a little bit perplexing. Sure. So you've got to guess the voice of the character that I'm doing. I think I'm going to crush this. Well, you should. However, I've already said before, I'm not the best voice person. Oh, okay. So it could be it could be that the impression itself is so bad that I, <laughs> <laughs> that I can't do it. Gotcha. Exactly. That's exactly I what I love it, is. it. So are you ready to play Into the Unknown? I was born ready. Let's do it. Number one. <clears throat> Remember. I'm saying quotes from yes, Frozen 2. From Frozen 2. These are not spoilers. They're just silly. <laughs> You're like, Elsa's dead. <laughs> oh, gosh. JK, Elsa does not die. Or does oh, she? No, or does she? <laughs> Spoiler free. Just remember. <clears throat> don't chew that. You don't know what I've stepped in. Huh? <laughs> I mean, that was Mickey Mouse. Okay, good. Okay. Or Minnie Mouse. Could be either, really, but probably Mickey. That was Mickey. Yeah. That was Mickey. Sweet. Nailed it. One for one. This might be a really quick game. (laughs) (laughs) Next one. I just find clothes restricting. You just find clothes restricting. Can I have the line again? I just find clothes restricting. Pete. Pete? Oh, Pete. Yeah. Max's dad. No, not Max's dad. Max's mean neighbor. Oh, yeah. PJ's dad. That's it. You mean Goofy, Max's dad? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it is not Pete. Who is it? Let me give you another hint. I just find clothes restricting. (laughs) Oh, Tigger. There it is. Nailed it. I left the laugh out, hoping that my Tigger voice would be strong enough, but obviously it wasn't. No, I think it was good. I think I just messed up. Okay, here we go. Bridges have two sides, and our mother had two daughters. <laughs> okay, so somebody who's Italian? No, French. Sebastian. Close. Oh, Lumiere. Lumiere, yeah, okay. correct. Correct. Hope everyone's having fun guessing my <laughs> terrible accent. No, that was there. a good one, too. I picked up, picked up on that one. This one? It's going to be a doozy. I don't know if you're ready for it. I'm so ready. Prepare yourself. Who knows the ways of men? Again. (laughs) Again. again. I'd also like to point out, for those who can't see me, is that for every character, I'm actually doing a little physical... Yeah, it's very animated. ...physicalization for it, too, so... Who knows the ways of men? Again. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I can do it again. Um, who knows the ways of men? Hmm. Would you like a hint? An added vo- vocal characterization? Sure. <clears throat> yeah! Who knows the ways of men? Okay, so it's some sort of a cowboy. Or? Or somebody like Cow. That cowgirl oh it's jesse there it is okay great from <laughs> toy story gotcha 
if I could remove the bass in my voice, you would have gotten it on the first yes. take. Yeah. Yeah. Just learn to do that. What's so hard about that? Kirk? <laughs> Jeez. And the last one. All right, right. Of Into the Unknown. For those of you keeping score at home, I hope you've guessed every one of them right. Our lands and people now connected by love. That's Mufasa. Nailed it. Yes. yes. Good James Earl Jones. That was very good. Thank very good. you. Kirk, you are exceptionally talented. I Thanks. just have to say that. You do all these voices. It was incredible. And you're the game master. So kudos to you. Thank you, Cameron. Great job. Any other impressions you want to do for us while you're here? That's all I got. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do your Tigger slash Pete impression again? <laughs> no. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but I'm going to work on it. Yeah, you I'm should. I'm going to surprise you with it one day when you're not thinking about it. Honestly, it sounded a lot like Tigger. I just, I watched um, Mickey's Once Upon a Christmas mm-hmm. last night and Pete's in that. Yeah. He's a huge jerk. Yes, he's a huge <laughs> jerk. <laughs> hey, that was really good. I that, like, yeah, that I was like good. Pete. <laughs> Pete, it, Pete was really mean. He was like telling Max that there's no Santa Claus and stuff. I'm like, dude, chill out. He's a kid. Mm-hmm. You know? He's a straight up evil character. Yeah, he's just mean. Just just terribly mean. Okay, we better jump into this review. Let's go. Um, so this week we're reviewing Frozen 2. And uh, what's going on over there? You got, you got something you want to say about this movie, Kirk? What? Yeah, no, just go ahead. Go I'm, ahead. Go say it. I wasn't going to, but... Just do it. Can I say something crazy? I love crazy. In my life, I've seen some dozens of sequels that failed. Then suddenly, I saw Frozen 2. I was just thinking the same thing. Because, like, I've been searching my whole life to find a sequel. That's as good as Catching Fire or Terminator 2. Frozen 2. Frozen 2. It's the sequel. Not Frozen 1. And it's nothing nothing like like I've ever seen before. Frozen 2 is much more. Frozen 2 is much more. Frozen 2 is much more than a sequel. It's true. It's true. It should be called Frozen 4. That's right, Kirk. Frozen 2 is much more. Much more. And we're going to dive into that and more during our review, which I have a confession to make. Last time on the episode, I said it was my turn. It was not my turn to go first. It was not. I know. I feel horrible about it. And I was certain of it, too. I know. It was just so bad. Uh, Really, it's part of a long and and, uh, very detailed plan to force you out of this show. and just (laughs) I'm just going to (laughs) slowly make myself go first every time on everything. And then I'm just going to be like, oh, you know what, Kirk? I'll just do the review this time and you can do top five. And then over time, it'll be like nobody even knows. So yeah, that'll just fuel your paranoia now. What did I do to hurt you? No, I'm just kidding. Um, so you get two weeks in a row, Kirk, to go first on tweet synopsis. I'll take it. Count my characters, Cam. Well, let me tell you this time to make sure that I was being honest. I actually typed it into Twitter. That's what I did. I typed it into a tweet. That's brilliant. It was much smarter. There's a smart way to do that. Because then every time I'm in Google Docs, I have to like find the word count for whatever reason. Like, I forget where it is every time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I typed it into Twitter, and mine was 16 characters under. I thought you were going to say 16 characters. I was going to just applaud you right now. <laughs> Frozen 2 is good. <laughs> 16 characters. Nailed it. Um, 
So did you type yours out? Am I going to be able to tweet these? I guess is what I'm trying to say. You'll be able to tweet this. I did not type this out, but I know it's under 270, 280, whatever it is. Okay, great. Will you type it out for me afterwards? Yes, I will. Okay, great. Thank you. I'll tweet it at, no, I'll just text it. (laughs) Stupid. Here we go. My tweet synopsis. Threatened by new mystic forces, Elsa, Anna, Kristoff, Sven, and Olaf adventure to an enchanted forest where they discover new truths about Arendelle, Elsa's powers, and themselves. Very good. My tweet synopsis. While Arendelle is enjoying a time of peace following the events of Frozen, Elsa begins hearing a voice in her head. Suddenly, ancient spirits are awakened, and Elsa and Anna find clues that could help them decipher their past and determine their future. Beautiful. Those were good. Nice and clean and easy. Let's jump into our awards, our superlatives, if you will. And the Oscar goes to Kirk. I'm going to give this to Miss Kristen Stewart, ladies nope. and gentlemen. Nope. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. not wrong, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I am shamefaced. <laughs> I mean, I don't think. Let me tell you, Kristen Stewart could be in this movie. I don't know because I did not know that um, Evan Rachel Wood was in this, or Rachel Evan, Evan Rachel Wood, Evan Rachel Wood. You got me all screwed up, Kirk. I didn't know that she was in this movie, and I had no idea that Jonathan Groff played Kristoff. No idea. I had no idea. Oh my gosh, how did I just say that? What a disgrace I am. It's okay. I, I'm so sorry, Kristen Bell. Wow. You need, to, you need to publicly apologize to her. And I kind of feel like you need to publicly apologize to Kristen Stewart, because who knows? Those are different people, Kirk. First, I'll start with Kristen Stewart. <laughs> Kristen Stewart, you have one face, and I think that sometimes it is nice, and sometimes it is just the same, and mm. I hope that you one day star in a, in a Disney princess movie. Yes. And she's made, Kristen Stewart's made so much money. So much. Yeah. Kristen Bell, you are a national treasure. It's true. You um, are hilarious with your family stories with your husband, Dax, and you uh, light up my world with the new Disney Plus series, Encore. Yes. And I'm sorry. Very good. Those were good. That was good. That was needed. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm so so ashamed. Now tell us about Kristen Stewart. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Kristen Bell does a fantastic job in this movie. It's it, This was very difficult to pick because it is a, an animated film. It's all voiceover work. But one of the biggest reasons I chose Kristen Bell is because I kind of forgot it was her, obviously, in the role of Anna, even though it's very public and known that it is. Like when you hear... Elsa, you hear Adina, you hear her riffs, you see, you hear her just unique tone and, um, and, uh, and, uh, what's that word? Um, t- t- tender. What's the, it starts with a T. Oh no. I don't know. Uh, there's a word that starts with a T. I'll think of it at the end of this podcast, okay. but Kristen Bell, she goes through this, this complete range of a, of a different side of Anna that I wasn't expecting. This whole movie was unexpected tonally and, uh, just, uh, uh, as far as the comedic tones of it as well. Super, super just uh, loved her performance in it. Yeah, good choice. I actually also went with Kristen Bell. Perfect, because I can't talk after I called her Kristen Stewart. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, it's understandable. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you just get switched around. Um, I thought Kristen Bell was really good. You make a good point about it being hard to sort of choose between the characters in an animated film. I thought that most of our animated performances were really good. Um, I thought most of our, sorry, voice performances were really good in this movie. Um, even more so 
than the first film in a lot of ways. Really loved the addition of Sterling K. Brown, uh, Sterling K. Brown to the cast because he's incredible. He's so good. And uh, Jonathan Groff obviously got more time to shine in this movie and was really good. But I thought when it came down to it, Anna and Elsa drive so much of this movie that I, it would be sort of a shame to not choose one of those talented voice actors. And I went with Kristen Bell because there is a moment in this movie. It is the most poignant movie in this film. And when that moment hits, we find Anna all she's by herself for that moment. And it's really her time to shine and man, does she nail it? Mm -hmm. I mean, just, it's just really effective. I, I, I don't know how to, how else to explain it with animated movies. It's really hard to get the animation and the voice to line up specifically on highly emotional parts. I don't know. I think it's just because people express emotion in such a personal way that it's very difficult for an animated character to convey that. And so sometimes it can seem a little bit off, but the way this worked together, man, it was really good and just really effective. And I think that everybody who sees it will be, will feel it, you know, they'll feel it in their chest. And yeah. I thought that that was, where she pulled ahead. I mean, I think that in a lot of ways, her and Adina do a great job, uh, you know, playing their characters throughout, but it's those, it's those moments that can take you uh, one step above. And I thought that mm -hmm. Kristen Bell had that moment and she just totally crushed it. Good call it on the animation because back on the 50th movie release, which was tangled, mm. they redeveloped how they created their movies. Cause it was both like CGI animation, but then they, they altered the technology so that their designers and artists could go in and physically draw over it as well. Yeah. And that's why Tangled was such a big hit. It was like a sleeper hit because people didn't expect it to be that good. I know, but it's interesting that you say that because that movie has kind of stuck with me. Yeah. Tangled. It just, I don't know. I remember the first time I saw it and thinking, wow, that was really cool. Yeah. The whole thing is just a masterpiece. And then see, you know, obviously that same technology has traveled from every movie since, and it really hits home on, on that moment and many more in this movie. Yeah. Very good. Um, all right. Let's move into scene stealer. Here's you your for, scene stealer. Ready for my scene stealer? Sure. This is how un, unfocused I was when I wrote my notes. For scene stealer, I wrote the actor <laughs> Olaf. <laughs> <laughs> you just wrote Olaf. <laughs> yes, Olaf. Because the, the see, little known fact, Olaf is not portrayed by a voice actor. It's just an actual talking snowman. <laughs> That's right. This whole uh, story is based on a true story, and, and Olaf, uh, coming from the reality of the events, That's just right. decided to play himself. Mm -hmm. It's very good. I can't believe what the am real I? life Olaf is horrifying to look at. <laughs> just terrifying <laughs> they softened him they they dulled <laughs> his teeth for this film you know yeah uh josh gad is who i really picked and i really thought they amped up olaf's role in a great way not an obnoxious way which they easily could have done they amped him up to insert him into scenes with just such finesse that i was so excited to watch what he was going to say because sometimes you have like the sidekick uh, figure and character where you're like, okay, these are just one-liners, get yep. over it. But everything he said, or most of the things that he said, propelled the plot forward. So I thought that was great, and I was laughing every time he opened his mouth. Yeah, I mean, I hate to match you one for one again, but it, ha it has to be Josh Gad. As much as I'd love to give it to Jonathan Groff, because I thought that we got a really, really good Kristoff performance and one that was very different from the first film and got more time to shine. It still has to be Josh Gad because Olaf, the, like how far he goes with his comedic bits 
helps make him more effective during the serious moments. And they don't shy away from using Olaf in the serious moments. They actually, he actually becomes a really good vehicle for driving home some of the core messages. And like in this movie, especially that was very, very like apparent and very good. And I thought that, um, his, his comedic bits were just way more on point in this movie than they were in the last one. And in the last one, he's, he's funny and he's funny in a different way than we had seen before, but they don't fully let it, like they don't fully take the training wheels off because it's a new character and a new kind of humor they were playing with. But again, in this movie, they know that it works. So they're just like, boom, giving him all the comedy bits. And he just slays. Like there are so many funny moments with Olaf legitimately laugh out loud. Even if you're not, you know, obviously this is a kid's movie, but even if you're not a kid, you're going to die laughing at Olaf's bits in this movie. Cause it's just gold. And then on the flip side, when things get serious and when we need to focus on the plot and the story and the more serious moments of the film, he's right there. He's right in the thick of it. And he's helping drive those moments too. And playing as a really good support character to our leads. So yeah, it's Josh Gad. All right. So now that we've uh, mashed one for one, let's see what happens <laughs> the rest of the way here. Let's see your showstopper Kirk. My showstopper. This was a tough one to pick. You know, the talk of the town was, what's going to be the next Let It Go? That's what everyone was saying and expecting. And I really don't think that this movie has that. and But not in a bad way. It was, again, the tone was so different from the first movie to the second movie. It, It really felt like a really special sequel because that's when sequels really hit at home when they're not trying to recreate what they did in the first movie. Yep. They're picking the highlights and they're running with a story that was unexplored. I, when I watched this movie, I was like, man, I didn't even think I had that question when I left the first one, but I'm excited that they're talking about it here. And so my showstopper is how artistically just bold they were in, in how they told this story. And specifically there's a song called Lost in the Woods that Sven sings um, Into the Unknown. Christoph. <laughs> Did you eat your Wheaties this morning, Kirk? Nope. <laughs> that, <clears throat> Chris, what if Sven sang that song? Yeah, though? what if he did? be pretty great that Christoph sings. Uh, there's also Into the Unknown and even Show Yourself, I would you would venture to say, are the biggest songs of this movie. Which, However, here's my hot take. I'm just going to throw it in there. Do it. So Into the Unknown is like the big song from the movie. It's mm-hmm. like getting the pan- – it was the first song they played at the end credits. It's like getting the panic cover and all of those things. But Show Yourself is Let It Go. Yes. Like if there's anything that's the new Let It Go, which I mean I hate simplifying it down to that, it's Show Yourself. Correct. Like it's a way better – musically is a much better song. Into the Unknown is – is strictly plot driven, which Let It Go was too. But Into the Unknown is a very short song, actually. Yeah. Show Yourself is a is a long, drawn out in a not in a bad way, but just a very full song. Yeah, it's a power ballad. Yes. Which which uh, Let It Go totally was. Yes. So I, I feel like that. I feel like Show Yourself is the feature song in this. Movie. And even in that, it doesn't have the same power as Let It Go, but it doesn't have to. That's the thing. That's what was kind of nice about it because they got to show so many different styles of, of music and, 
and musical musicality throughout this that that's what really caught my attention because they were so ingrained into the dialogue it really felt like you were watching a stage musical because it wasn't just like talk 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 oh here's our song talk 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 here's our song it just flowed from the beginning to the end so that's my take yeah i mean you gotta you have to give a lot of credit um not to not to harp too much on the music but um Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez, who wrote the music for the movie, I, I really enjoyed. I read a little conversation that people had with them. I can't remember which publication it was that talked to them, but specifically asked that question, which everyone is going to ask. How do you follow up Let It Go? Their answer was exactly what you would expect, but it's totally perfect, and it, it's, it deserves to be talked about. It was like, you can't. like Let It Go we didn't write, let it go. We, we didn't sit down and say, let's write the greatest Disney song ever. Mm-hmm. You know, like we wanted to make a good music. We wanted to make good music. We wanted to make a song that was great for this character. We wanted to make a song that Adina could sing. And they did all of those things. And it ended up being awesome because they just did their job and did it effectively. So if their goal would have been to go out and recreate, let it go, they would have failed horribly. So yes. instead they just stayed focused on the basics. Like, how can we make another good song? How can we make it fit this movie? And I thought that all of the music did exactly that. Indeed. But yeah, I like, I I agree. I think that this movie was definitely bold creatively. I Mm -hmm. think it was creatively bold. And I think that that's one of its strengths. My showstopper though is a little bit more simple in nature than that, but it's uh, character design. Cause I thought the character design was really effective, especially in terms of, I don't know if you call it costuming, you know, or costume design whenever it's animated characters, but I thought it was really good how they use color to tell the story. Unfortunately, I can't go too deeply into that without spoiling things, but the amount of th- the, the themes that they carried over from the first movie, uh, were really well woven into the, the new movie. It was an interesting viewing experience cause I hadn't, I'm not one of these people who's seen Frozen, the first Frozen a thousand times. I've probably seen it three or four times. Mm-hmm. And I did not watch it. I did not rewatch it prior to seeing Frozen 2. But I did rush home and go watch it after I'd seen Frozen 2 because I wanted to see what things carried over. And it was actually really cool what parts of the character design they carried over. And the things that they changed, you're like, ah, that's cool. That's for a specific storytelling purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this, we get a little bit of like Arendelle history with regard to um this basically like a native group who was living close to arendelle and then old arendelle and you get the arendellian like soldiers and that character design was really really cool and i thought the way that they used colors in those um soldiers outfits was really effective and then on the flip side you have like the juxtaposition with like the native group that's living nearby i forget what they're called but the way that those those characters were designed was it was all very intentional and they did a good job of telling the story through character or through color and through character design and also again going back to sort of what i talked about when i was talking about Kristen bell the conveyance <laughs> yeah Kristen stewart <laughs> sorry uh the conveyance of emotion in in the characters was really really good noticeably better than a lot of animated films i've seen i don't know if there were more technological advancements in front of this one or what, but it was just very noticeable that these, these characters were very lifelike in terms of how they conveyed emotion. And I thought that it made particularly this movie, which is a little bit heavier thematically than the first frozen. It made it really, really effective. Indeed. 
Okay, let's go into director's shoes. What would you change about this movie, Kirk? Not too much. I thought it was a solid film. Um, I would say that it, it was a little long, so I think they could find a few places mm. to shave it down. I'm not talking like big chunks. I think it would just be like a few minutes here, a few minutes there to drive it down. Even like 10 or 15 minutes, I took my kids and they were noticeably a little bit restless near the end of this film. Um, so I would say time is a is a little bit it's it's key on a kid's movie honestly so you can't really argue that with the irishman where okay you're an adult only an adult is going to see this unless it was a seven hour film then you can talk about timing but since it's a kid's movie it was a little bit too long and the and the more important one than that is there's a really big reveal about anna and elsa's uh family history that I believe they kind of stumbled into, uh, it's almost like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? Oh no, it's not. Oh, uh, so there's, there's this stumbling block that they do. And when you get there, you can probably guess that it's going to happen. And then it happens. So (laughs) when, when you see this, you'll know the moment. Uh, I feel like that could have been cleaner because they told it like it was going that way. I wish it just would have been swept up and as nice and uh, as nice and tight in a bow as the rest of the film was. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, going in a different direction for my director's shoes. Uh, mine is the climax of the movie. The actual climax of the movie and the final payoff is lacking in the, in the finesse department and in the restraints. So the, the rest of the movie does a really good job of being very disciplined and not going too far too fast and telling a really nice story that reveals things in a very methodical way so that everybody's really like, bought in um and for 75 to 80 percent of the movie it's they do a great job of that and then it's like when they get there they were too excited to finish the film yeah and so they kind of you have you're left with this like climax that really feels like a band-aid getting ripped off it's like okay it's like it would be like going up a really really tall like a 400 foot roller coaster like a huge roller coaster and the suspense is building up and you're like oh my gosh oh my gosh this is crazy but then the first thing you hit is like a little tiny hill like a five foot drop (laughs) that that is like that is what this movie felt like to me because like i said they use they they're really tactical about how they lay out this film all the way up until that climax and then it's like boom here's this movie's over have a great day mm-hmm. and i was like whoa what ju- what just happened like i didn't even it went so fast that i felt like i didn't even know what all went down mm-hmm. and so i thought that in that area they could have stayed disciplined stay the course they were telling a really good story and even though it would have made the movie longer and i suspect that some of the scenes that were included in that climax got left on the cutting room floor because of the runtime of the movie i wish they would have given us a payoff that was worthy of what the movie built up. And so that's my director's shoes. Love it. All right, let's do final thoughts and let's score frozen Two. Again, this is a great film. Uh, It's fantastic for the kids. They'll be quoting it as they walk out the door. We've only seen it once, but my kids remember like six quotes from it and they keep saying it around the (laughs) house and it it cracks me up every time. Uh, It's definitely a must see. It's definitely a worthy sequel. We definitely get Disney sequels that, are just a big question mark and i get angry sometimes when sequels are made to disney movies like little mermaid 2 mulan 2 like get out of here with that garbage but this one's fantastic and go see it 9.3 kernels okay good score 
Um, yeah, this movie to me, it marks a really significant milestone for Disney animation studios. Um, because frozen is far and away their most valuable animated property at this time. It may even honestly be when it's all said and done, their most valuable animated property ever. And when you have something like that, it comes with this massive burden to keep the momentum up, make new films, keep the characters fresh, but also do so in a way that doesn't feel artificial and money grab. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's something that Disney, frankly, has failed at in the past in a pretty big way. I mean, Disney Animation Studios used to constantly fail at this back in the day. Even some of the great Disney movies that we love and talk about growing up were followed up by these awful sequels just to keep the characters in the minds of people. And that this couldn't be that. Disney needed this to be great. Um, that, that pressure of keeping characters fresh, it can really tempt you to play it safe because that's what's that's what's easy Mm -hmm. and there was a really in my mind a really clean cookie cutter way they could have gone um, about this movie but the important thing to keep in mind and what i think the animators and the directors and producers and all of those who were involved in this film what i think they kept in mind is that disney whether it be parks movies whatever they're at their best when they're innovating and this movie could have very very easily chosen to play it safe they did not they chose to innovate. They chose to get a little bit weird, which I dug. Like, I'm like, go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a Disney fan, you should feel really proud of that. You should feel like, hey, this is significant. This is a milestone. This is important. They're, they figured it out that you can get a little bit weird. You can get, you can risk it. You can go into the unknown. That's right. That's exactly right, Kirk. You can Ba-dum-ts. go into the unknown. And it's not perfect, but it's gutsy. It really is. It's gutsy and it's a courageous film to make. And I think that there's not much more you could ask for them from them than that. So for me, this movie gets an 8.7. It's not perfect, but it is great. And it is a really fun sequel. I can't wait to watch it again. Um, Love the music. Love the characters. Olaf killed it. 8.7 out of 10 kernels. Solid. All right. If you saw Frozen 2, which a lot of people did, big, big, big opening weekend, as expected. Huge. Um, Almost certainly going to cross the billion-dollar mark, which I think would be the fifth. Will it be the fifth Disney movie this year to do so? I don't know. Breaking records, man. I don't don't know what it would be, but we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, if you haven't seen Frozen 2, we always ask you guys to go see it. This was a tough one to review spoiler-free, but we always want to keep our reviews spoiler-free for you guys. But if you've seen it and you want to talk about this movie, spoilers and all, Kirk and I are all ears. We're available. Feel free to hit us up on any of our social channels so we can have that combo. All right. And Frozen, Frozen is probably most well-known for Let It Go, don't you think? Like, oh. Let It Go is is the thing. 100%. So it got us thinking about some of the – I mean, Disney's had great musical numbers in the past. Huge, huge, massive hits. But let's do top five Disney musical numbers so we can find out what our favorite hits are because what's interesting about this is there's the ones that everybody knows are sort of like the Hallmark songs, the let it goes of the world. But to the people who watch the movies, there are other songs that strike a chord with us and it it can be very personal how you feel about each of these Disney songs. You know, I've heard some people say, um, a whole new world is not a great song. I've heard people say that in the past, what? and I was like very offended by that. But Who be, that's are because they? I know, but that's because Kirk, 
It's a very personal thing, how you feel about these songs. I'm personally offended. You should be. Oh. But that's what, now we get our chance, Kirk, to name our top five Disney animated musical numbers. Well, it doesn't have to be animated. I'm sorry. Disney musical numbers. And I get to start. Do it. Number five. I'm going with Tangled and a little song I like to call I See the Light. Okay. Big fan of this. Mandy Moore, Zachary Levi. Um, it's an incredible song. I, I, like we were talking about, T- Tangled in general is an underrated film. I think it's kind of underappreciated. Um, if you haven't seen it in a while, definitely recommend you go and check that out. This song is definitely the feature song in that movie, without a doubt. But it's a movie that has tons of great music and tons of great songs. This song, though, man, it's great. Uh, we had the string quartet in our wedding play, mm-hmm. I, I See the Light, um, and it's very good. And that harmony, here's, what, here's the thing about Disney, though, dude. They give you these great, beautiful harmonies, but it's, like, so short-lived. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in A Whole New World, um, even that song that we just sang in this episode. Like, the harmonies aren't there throughout. Yes. And I'm like, when Zachary Levi comes in with the... Uh, and it's warm and real and bright. Mm-hmm. Like I want all of that, but yes. it's only, it's so short lived. And I think that's the, to the genius of Disney and Alan Menken and everyone who works oh, on Alan these. Alan Menken, total genius. They just leave us wanting more of that harmony. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it really does. Cause you just replay those songs over and over and over. That is a song I love. Just so you can sing that one bit. That's it. Know. That's it. That's great. So yeah. Tangled. I see the light. That's beautiful. Um, my number five. Make a man out of you from Mulan. Ooh, good one. This is a fantastic number. Um, it is. It's when you think of Mulan, you think of two songs. You think of reflection and make a man out of you. And ten times out of ten, you're going to sing make a man out of you when you're a public setting, and then sing like Christina Aguilera, reflection when you're at home or in your car or in your car, just blasting it like I do. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> make a man out of you. Big win. Um, it's so fun. It's it's got so much humor, and then it gets just like so dramatic at the end when um, what's his name Fu Shua when he says, <laughs> "Don't think that's right, but sure." <laughs> <laughs> I'm on point with names tonight, Cam. <laughs> so when he says, when he tells uh, Mulan, "Hey, pack up, go home. You're through." It's like, ooh, yeah. She didn't make it. She has brought dishonor on her family. But then she and scales she that throws thing. those rings together and Boss. climbs that thing. It's such. It's such a good montage that it just has all the right pieces and such a fun song that you can sing any time of day. Yep. I love it. It's a great pick. Um, my number four, I'm going with Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Which is the bonjour, 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 that song. Love it. Again, great montage. She's walking through the city. All these people are going about their daily lives. You're getting these little snippets, and it makes for a really good musical number, like straight out of a musical, mm-hmm. like a Broadway musical. And I love that scene. I it's, I mean, I've talked about it before on this podcast that I think Beauty and the Beast is just an insane cinematic achievement. It is a beautiful, beautiful movie that holds up to this day. You still watch it back today, and it's like, man, there's something different about this movie. And the music is part of it. You could pick any one of 10 songs out of this movie. I mean, I'm sure there's probably less than 10 songs in the movie, but every one is a banger. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're all good. Yep. Uh, But my personal favorite is Belle. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love the way it sets up the characters. Yeah. And there's so much foreshadowing in that, that you don't realize when you're a kid. Yeah. And then you, you, you grow up and you're like, Oh man, 
It's the plot right there. That's I. I, but I she know what's won't coming. Discover that it's him till chapter three. Yeah. It's so good. I love it. It's a, it's it's one of my faves for sure. My number four. <clears throat> and at last, I see the light. Nice. I also had to pick this one. It's a great one. Be, just the spectacle of the lanterns floating while they're in the little gondola on the lake or the river or whatever. And they're, it's, it's all, it's reminiscent of kiss the girl, you know, cause they're in that little boat. Yeah. The like, little like canoe. Yeah. Yes. Like, is it going to happen? And it's just this incredible sight. And of course that music is so good. When this thing, when this song came out, when the movie came out, Aubrey and I just sang this all the time around the house. It's so good. And man. to this day, it randomly just pops into our daily lives. So mm-hmm. it's such a strong and powerful song, and it's it makes me warm and fuzzy. Number four. Yep. Good pick. Good pick. Uh, my number three, I'm going with what some people consider to be the goat. Let it go. All right. Let it go. Um, just because Adina Menzel is incredible, I'm glad that we get her voice in a Disney film because her voice is iconic and incredible and amazing. And this song is just great. I mean, the first time I heard it, I have to admit that last bit where she's like, the cold never bothered me anyway. I was like, eh, that's pretty cheesy. But <laughs> there's no denying the greatness of this song. It's it's exceptionally well-written. It's exceptionally well-performed. I wish that Adina Menzel hadn't had technical difficulties during the Oscars. She couldn't hear herself. and The wickedly talented yeah. Adele Yeah, and Dezim. then you got John Travolta calling you Adele Dazeem. I mean, there's like nothing good going on there, but I felt like, I felt sad when she didn't get like, she didn't kill it as much as I know that she can, and I think that sometimes that is stuck in people's heads about the song, but there's, like I said, there's no denying the greatness of Let It Go, it's almost, it almost has to be on this list by default because it's just so incredible. Incredible. That is a great, a great choice as well. I love this. This is a great top five, Cam. Kudos. Thank you. Thank you. Kudos to you. My number three, I've got to go with the sleeper pick, but maybe not so much. I'm picking Shiny from Moana. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I like it. That song is again we talked about how frozen 2 had bold choices and they went into the unknown and i feel like moana was very creative and just you know just flipped the script on us and said hey listen we're going to do we're just going to do what we want and that that musical number shiny is one of the most incredible laugh out loud uh, scenes ever. Oh You've, yeah. I've never seen a villain that I could laugh so much at. And at the same time, like he is creepy. He's creepy deluxe. Oh yeah. So, and he's so witty. I ate my grandma. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly he ate right. his grandma, Kirk. <laughs> like, uh, okay, you're, you win. You're the worst villain ever. You ate your, <laughs> you ate your own grandmother. I, I can't, I can't stress enough how fun this is. If you haven't seen Moana, stop what you're doing. Go watch it right now. Yeah, Mr. Jermaine Clement is yes. responsible for that. And he is an absolute genius. If you've seen Flight of the Concords, you know all about what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. It's great. Shiny is one of the greatest. We have the Funko Papa, that Tamatoa, Shiny oh, Tamatoa. It's so, amazing. Yeah, we're big, big, big Moana fans. In my Tamatoa. House. Such a good villain name, too. Yeah, it is. It's a good one. All right. My number two, I'm going with I Just Can't Wait to Be King from the lion king excellent and once again this is one of those things with these musical numbers i think the reason i said musical numbers as the top five is because it's not just the song right and 
if there is something more iconic than that, I just can't wait to be King scene when with all the vibrant colors and the different designs going back and forth, like I don't know it. If there's something more iconic than that, that that to me that's Disney animation right there. And I love that bit. I I told you before, I've watched Lion King billions of times. I used to watch it, rewind it, watch it again, break the tape. It it was my fave. <laughs> so I just can't wait to be king. Nothing else to say about that one. It's just incredible. That's a very old fashioned sentence. <laughs> Rewind it, break the tape. Yeah, yeah. That kids will have no idea. If my son, when he grows up and listens to this, he's gonna be like, What what are you talking about? We just all we do is we open movies anywhere. How old just, are you, yeah. Dad? I'm thirty. <laughs> I'm thirty. I'm so old. I'm Batman. My number two. two. Be our guest. Mm, that is a good one. Beauty and the Beast. Um, I actually had the honor of playing Lumiere in high school. Oh, it was really exciting. It was the somehow the director got like first rights for a high school in Illinois to perform Beauty and the Beast. So what? that was pretty exciting. And I got to be Lumiere. It was a yeah. lot of fun. And this, b- besides that, this this scene is incredible. There's so much going on. It's Again, uh, this one's not a montage. It's just just awesome kind of flexing on Disney's part to say, we've got about 4,000 characters. Let's put them in this one musical number and show you what we can do with them. Yeah. And the the coordination and the orchestration with it all is so fun and so perfect. And is there a ride in Disney World with Be Our Guest now with the new like princess section no there's the i mean there's the be our guest restaurant oh that's right that's yeah. right they really should make a ride because you know the counterpart that people always think about is sebastian and you know obviously under the sea yeah i feel like i feel like they're missing well, it i feel like friend like me is like that too yes i feel like it's very it has very much so like a friend like me vibe yeah Aladdin. um but there is you do kind of get to experience that one in 4d if you go to the dis Mickey's Philhar Magic. Oh, that's right. They do be our guests and they pop the champagne bottles at you and yeah, it smells like blueberries and stuff like that. <laughs> like it's pretty fun. Yeah, so that's what I want. I, I, that's my number two, and I want that to be an actual ride in Disney World. Would be or cool. Disneyland. Would be very cool. Um, yeah, good pick. I'm on number one. I'm on number one now. Uno. Number one. I went with for my number one. I had your number five. I'll make a man out of you. <laughs> nice. I. Dude, this song, I've probably screamed saying this song a thousand times in my life. Me and my sisters would watch Mulan all the time growing up, and everybody stopped what they were doing in the house. Like, cause it's one of those things you watch a movie enough times, it becomes background noise. But when this song's on, it's not background noise. It's the main event, man. Mm-hmm. It's the main event, and this is everybody knows this song. Everybody knows most of the words to this song. And it is a blast. It is just a total blast through and through. And there are so many good songs. I'm looking at my list of honorable mentions, but I have no regrets about this being my number one pick. I'll make a man out of you. Nope. And then this is the one where you also grab the broomstick and just go to town with it. That's your staff. Yes. Oh, man. I remember <laughs> there was this rehearsal when I was in college for a show. And we it was an, such an exhausting show that I don't know why we did this. We were all like sweating buckets. And then someone turned this on during the break and we went wild. And for the entire, like <clears throat> whatever five minutes that the song is, that was as long as our break was, we were running around the room and we were jumping and spinning. And then the director comes back and says, all right guys, let's go back to rehearsal. <laughs> and I'm like, why did we do that? That's awesome. <laughs> but it was still so fun. Yeah. That's such a, good. That's a good one. And it like when the music drops down, it's just the voices. 
It's epic. Yes. It's so good. My number one was your number two. Oh. Or three. I can't count. Just can't wait to be king. Yep. Number two. Number two. Yep. There it is. This one, man, it's got it all. It's got, again, tons of characters uh, coordinated in such a way that you couldn't imagine fathomable. It's got, you have Nala and <clears throat> and uh, Simba walking through the, the desert, of course, and all of a sudden it's like, all right. We're no longer in the desert. Here's like this, the splash of color, these backgrounds that you wouldn't expect, but they yeah. mimic the animals that are about to appear in the next, in the next cut scene here a moment in a moment. So I think it's so well done. So iconic, like you said, and you, that's also just a, a showstopper. The moment that it comes on, it's not background noise too. It's let's go. Everyone's singing. Let's, let's do this together. Yeah. And for some of you, you may be triggered by this song because you've played the uh, Nintendo or Sega oh. Genesis Lion King game where they unintentionally made this level basically impossible to beat. Mm -hmm. You're like jumping from tree to tree and vine to vine. And it's like the area you have to jump on is far away and very small and you die a thousand times and you're Mm -hmm. like, screw it. I can't do it. And you only succeed when it glitches you to the next (laughs) And the whole time you're just, (laughs) so I do, I do have to like, I have to fight that in me, you know, because I, I feel it. I can see it. if I close my eyes, I can see myself on that level just getting just raging. The ostrich necks are swinging. And <laughs> <laughs> Even now, when I like die multiple times in Donkey Kong Country Returns or something like that, mm-hmm. Jack, he's like, "Why are you getting so mad?" I'm like, "It's that Lion King game, man. It <laughs> ruined me. It ruined my life." But this song is still great. It Even is. beyond that, even with that against it, that just tells you how good of a song it is. The power. All right, let's go honorable mentions because there's a ton of good ones. I'll start a whole new world from aladdin mm-hmm. obvi part of your world little mermaid also obvi how far i'll go from moana the bare necessities from the jungle book love nice. that song um when you wish upon a star i had to choose that one just because it's so iconic you know they use it as like the disney theme now and even though i don't really like pinocchio okay so let me let me rephrase that pinocchio is a great movie but is a really strange movie to watch nowadays um but that that song is awesome jiminy cricket once upon a dream from sleeping beauty just because that melody gets stuck in your head and it doesn't go anywhere man that melody mm-hmm. is stuck and finally chim chim tree from mary poppins solid choice because that melody is like melancholy and genius and like perfect for london during that period i don't know i thought it was like a really really genius song reminds me that i need to get my chimney sweep so thank you for that yeah anytime <clears throat> you can have uh, dick van dyke come over and do it i mean he probably could he's he's in great shape he's on his feet um let's do a whole new world for me as well under the sea fun fact in my house if you ever say under the something like oh that toy's under the couch you have to, i stop usually my wife i haven't got my kids to it yet but i'm like whoa whoa, whoa under the what? And so I force her to sing under the chair or under the sink. You know, right. Everything. I use it with everything. Incredible. Um, sure your kids love that. They do. Part of your world, which also fun fact about this, uh, I love to sing a ridiculously high harmony to this if Aubrey starts singing this. And I won't stop. And that's fun. Um, how far I'll go from Moana. You're welcome from Moana. Reflection. Circle of Life, Gaston from Beauty and the Ooh, Beast. Good choice. Poor Unfortunate Souls. Yes. That's Let's a give great Ursula one. a shout out. Here's one. This this is out of left field. Go the Distance from Hercules. Yeah. Love that song. I sing that song um, in a musical in junior high. 
You did? Yeah. I'm jealous. Yep. That was a good one. It's such a good song. Uh, Build a Snowman, Let It Go, and Prince Ali. Ah, Prince Ali. That's a good one. There he is. All right. Which ones did we miss? I know we missed tons. I know you got you guys are out there shaking your fists at your headphones, radio, phone, <laughs> whatever. I don't know. What iPod. <laughs> iPod shuffle. <laughs> You're out there shaking your fist at saying, how could you have missed this song? <laughs> and I want to know. I want to know what song you felt passionately about because, like we said, there are thousands of them. And why you still have an iPod shuffle? No. <laughs> no. It's okay, Kirk. Don't judge. Um, but yeah, I want to know, I want to hear all about your favorite Disney songs. We'll, we'll, we'll throw a post out there with our top five and then we'll, uh, we'll see what y'all have to say. But other than that, that is a wrap on this episode. We are 17. Well, by the time you listen to this, it'll be 16 days away from our star Wars premiere. We cannot wait. I was thinking about trivia today. I'm not going to say one of the questions cause I don't want people to look it up. Right. But I don't know. It's going to be good. I've got lots of questions written down. I've been watching the Star Wars movies back to think of questions and mm-hmm. also because I love them and I watch them all the time. Watched Force Awakens today. I got a lot of good Star Wars trivia out of that guy. So it's going to be a great time. Um, more to come on prizes probably next week. We were supposed to come up with a James Bond punishment for me. We were. This week failed miserably we were maybe i could watch like all the twilights back to back to back maybe it's like ice bucket challenge outside in december or whatever month it comes out i could do that i think it should be similar to yours like what what is something that i like that i could try to eat until i puke maybe twinkies do you like twinkies i do like twinkies but it has to be something you love like i love snack pack pudding i love it you do i do i can't have it in my house because i would eat all of it Maybe it'll be like Taco Bell tacos or something like that. 30? No. 30? <laughs> 30. <laughs> um, yeah, not 30. Not 30. We'll come up with something. So I'm sorry. We we are liars. We're liars, Kirk. We didn't do it. Well, we often forget. So. But new trailer for that guy dropping Wednesday. James Bond, No Time to Die. New trailer. They're calling it a teaser, but teasers these days are like a minute and a half long. Right. And that thing comes out in February, doesn't it? It does. Man. Can't wait. Hashtag he gone for anybody who's on my my side of that. Hashtag he will survive <laughs> if you're wanting Cameron to do whatever we're going to choose him to do. <laughs> it's not about if you want it. It's about what's going to happen. And he's, he's gonzo. He will survive. We'll see. We'll see. But anyway, that is a wrap on this episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. We love spending time with you. Thank you to Ryan Spriggs for helping us produce this podcast. And thank you, of course, to Ryan Spriggs and Brendan Aristed for our awesome, awesome theme music. We will see you all next week. Talk to you then.
Hold on, I breathed right as that started. Oh! Dang it! <laughs> Hold on. Stop! <laughs> Let's sing that one instead. Okay, quiet on the set. Here we go. <laughs>